Okay, now for our second message, we brought to us by Mr. Barnabas Grayson, entitled, Time. Good afternoon, everyone. So days are hot, and days are cold, and days are cool. I hope everybody's cool. Time, T-I-M-E. I think that's the way to pronounce it. A seasoning, isn't it? Time. You'll be getting your hand out here in just a minute, but I'll go ahead and start. And what is one of the most valuable things that we have? Probably already know. Is it not our time? Is it not our living days? King Solomon, the son of David, he wrote that there is a season for everything under heaven. And a time to every purpose here on earth and in our lives. And the Word of God makes many recommendations. And we read of where the psalmist asked God, Teach us to number our days that we may apply our hearts to wisdom. So today, let us see what some of those uh, things are. We begin in the book of Ecclesiastes. A very familiar chapter to us. And there we read that every activity that we do, everything that we do, is done at its proper time, or comes at its proper time. And there is a purpose under heaven by which those things happen. So Solomon, he cites each activity along with its opposites too. And he wrote of a time to be born, the time to die. He cites that. We live and then we die. That there is a time to plant and that there is a time to pluck up that which is planted. There is a time to kill or a time to waste and a time to heal, a time to break down and a time to build up. So as we read these passages, if you have your Bible, you know, or you can look on the wall back here, we have to, we're, we're to think about each and every one of these statements that wise Solomon said. Verse 4, he said that there was a time to weep, and a time to laugh, and a time to mourn, and a time to dance, a time to cast away stones, and a time to gather stones together, and a time to embrace, and a time to refrain from embracing. And there's also a time to get and a time to lose, a time to keep, and a time to cast away. But we know that time is not something that we hold in our hand that is physically there, that we can just cast it away. But it's a concept. It's a period of, of a, a moment, an event. There's a time to win, and a time to sow, a time to keep silence, and a time to speak. A time to love and a time to hate. A time of war and a time of peace. Can you imagine if there is a time to go to war, a time to even hate? There is a time to love and a time to hate, a time of war and a time of peace. But what profit has he that works in that wherewith he labors? Solomon said, I have seen the travail which God has given to the sons of men to be exercised in it. 
For every one of these events that happen, we are exercised in some way. He has made everything beautiful in His time. Also, He has set the world in their heart so that no man can find out the work that God makes from the beginning to the end. And He says, I know that there is no good in them, but for a man to rejoice and to do good in life. So that's verse 12 there. tells us, the, in a way, the culmination of all these events that happen in our life. Verse 13, And also that every man should eat and drink and enjoy the good of all his labor, for it is the gift of God. And I know that, Thomas said, whatsoever God does, it shall be forever. Nothing can be put to it, nor anything taken from it, and God does it, that men should fear before him. Verse 15, that which has been is now, and that which is to be has already been, and God requires that which is past. You know, there's things that were, uh, that were good from the beginning, as in, you know, the laws and the values that God put before the people there at Mount Sinai, to go back to those times. Those are the things that He would require from that which is past. Verse 16, and moreover I saw under the sun, the place of judgment, that wickedness was there, and the place of righteousness, that iniquity was there. And I said in my heart, God shall judge the righteous and the wicked, for there is a time there for every purpose, for every work, for every activity. And he saw this, uh, this judgment. In the book of Hebrews, Chapter 4, let me just get directly from the Bible, beginning in verse 11, another chapter, another, uh, some more verses that you are familiar with, that... It says, Let us therefore fear, lest a promise being left us of entering into his rest, any of you should come short of it. So we're here today to keep uh, that uh, rest, to be obedient to that command, and to rest from all our labors. For unto us was the gospel preached, as well as unto them. But the word preached did not profit them, and not being mixed with faith in them that heard it. So this gospel has been preached to us at one time or another, whether it was in this church or in the church that we belonged to previously. For we which have believed do enter into rest, as he said, as I have sworn in my wrath, if they shall enter into my rest, although the work, works were finished from the foundation of the world, for he spoke of a certain place as the seventh day. You know, that's what this, uh, this time is, the seventh day. On this wise, and God did rest the seventh day from all his works. So we're doing this because we know that this is what uh, God set an example for mankind to do at the appropriate time. And in this place again, if they shall enter into my rest, seeing therefore it remains that some must enter therein, and they to whom it was first preached entered not in because 
of unbelief. Unbelief, a lack of faith, can, can hinder a lot of uh, truth that is obvious here. And the truth of the Sabbath is one of those things that people don't want to see or do not see. Seeing therefore it remains that some must enter therein, and they to whom it was first preached enter not in because of unbelief. Again, he limited a certain day, say, saying in David, today, after so long a time as it is said, today, if you will hear his voice, harden not your heart. There's a place, I think, somewhere in Proverbs that says when you come to uh, the assembly, that you are to be prepared to hear what the uh, word of uh, God says. For if Jesus had given, we're not to harden our hearts, but verse 8, for if Jesus had given them rest, then would he not afterward have spoken of another day, there remains therefore a rest to the people of God. And we know that this rest means a Sabbathistic, a Sabbath day, a, a time to cease from all labor. For he that is entered into his rest, he also has ceased from his own works as God did from His. So let us labor, therefore, to enter that rest, lest any man fall after the same example of unbelief. For the Word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. So, read a little past, past verses 11. But we see that it, it is a time for rest, a time to cease from labor, a time to be refreshed, a time also to reflect on God's creation and His continuing presence in our life and for the purpose for which we understand the gospel that He has given to us. It is also a time of respite, a time of respite. You know, when it was Reggie's turn to uh, uh, sing lead songs that day, you know, we would meet the, uh, the answer in here. And uh, in his prayer, this is why I heard that word respite used quite a bit by him, the term respite. So uh, he would uh, say the prayer, and in his prayer, in giving thanks for the, for the Sabbath, he would uh, give thanks for this time, this time of respite, uh, a time to get away from the chaos and the confusion uh, of the world, and to look forward to the coming kingdom of heaven to be and be refreshed and uplifted. And so, that word respite is something that will probably stick with me for a while because it does mean uh, a rest. It does mean a time out. And that is what he would sometimes use. It was the time out from all the uh, confusion and of the world. So we know that he found rest in the Sabbath. And I'm talking about Reggie because uh, when we came in the door back here, uh, automatically, uh, you know, I looked around to see who's all here. And, you know, sometimes Reggie's over there and sometimes it's not. But I pictured him in that, that brown jacket over there. And uh, it's like... Uh, he should be there. But, you know, as, as has been said, he, he will be missed in, in a lot of different ways. But seldom did he not come to the Sabbath. Seldom did he not come 
to respite and, and fellowship with, with the brethren. As Hebrews 10.25 said, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another and so much the more as you see is the day of a day approaching. So the Sabbath is a time for man to draw close, to draw near to God so that he uh, will draw near to us. A time when it brings us closer and not drift away. In Luke 14, verse 33, it says, So likewise, whosoever be of you that forsake not all that he has, he cannot be my disciple. So, we sacrifice time, we sacrifice energy, we sacrifice our interests, and so there are little things that we do in order to make the Sabbath day. Now, what is time to us? Do we have all the time in the world? Well, we know that we have been allotted a certain amount of time, and uh, it is the here and now that we, you know, often think about and dedicate our, our time and our energy to. So there are things that are on our mind. We have plans. We have purposes to work out. And those are the things that we pay attention to. Of course, this is needful because if we don't do it, we won't get things done. We won't get our life in order because we know that our time is our life. And we, we know that there's only so much of it. And of course, we don't always make full use of the time we have. We sometimes waste it. I remember one of the things that... Uh, makes time unprofitable is in a sermonette that uh, I heard, and this was a long time ago, in the early days, uh, and I think I've mentioned this to Rick sometimes, but he had a topic on, on procrastination, you know, putting things off and thinking that, yeah, well, you got time in the end to do it. And I was that way when I was in in school, and sometimes that, I'm that way when I have a standing to give. I try to wait for the last minute, thinking I've got time to do it. But that's not, that, that's called pro, procrastination. Thinking you have time to do it, but when it comes about, you know, it doesn't work out to our advantage because there's only so much time. And when you try to squeeze it, compress it all, uh, you're going to leave some things out. But this we know about time. Once it's gone, you know, you can't, you can't replace it. So you have to fix your, you know, uh, hourglass with the sand pointing through it. But we can start over. You know the saying, uh, the old time, the uh, daytime uh, episodes of the days of our lives, you know, like sand to the hourglass, so are the days of our lives. And it's, it's true. But to some of us, time seems to move slowly along, especially when, you know, uh, maybe the preacher's up here like me, you know, the time sort of just stands still, I guess. But then again, it seems to go by fast. I know that at times when I have uh, 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 presented my classes with, uh, with things, and I had everything laid out, everything was going good, 
the student would come and say, that was over fast. And you know, when sometimes when it's over fast, it's like it caught your interest somewhere along the way. So maybe somewhere along the way in this sermon today, hopefully you will find something that applies. But you know, from that moment that I said uh, about time, time from that moment, few seconds ago, is now slipping, it's slipping, like the song says, slipping into the future. So there are many songs written about time, time on our hands. So I took the liberty of, as I was writing this uh, sermon, uh, of course, you'll indulge me a little bit, I, I wrote a little four-line uh, verse. I say that time is like a flowing stream or the sound of a ticking clock. It is the quiet and moving shade beneath the tree and the touch of the wind blowing through our breath of air a breath of air soft and strong. So we come along to Ecclesiastes chapter 9 where we read about this is a, 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 a Psalm of Moses. Teach us to number our days, said, said Moses. Or some think it's probably of someone else. For there is no work, nor device, nor knowledge, nor wisdom in the grave where you go. And so in verse 12, I returned and saw under the sun that the race is not to the swift, nor the battle to the strong, neither yet bread to the wise, nor yet riches to men of understanding, nor yet favor to men of skill, but time and chance happens to them all. So we know that every activity, everything that involves time is going to have some maybe some kind of opposite effect on our lives. For man also knows not his time, as the fishes that are taken in an evil net, and as the birds that are caught in the snare, so are the sons of men snared in an evil time when it falls suddenly upon them. You know, we don't go around looking for bad things to happen. We look, we're looking for good things to be, but sometimes it, it just happens. You know, the highways are perilous, perilous times. So, we know that time marches, marches on. I think it was last week, we, uh, or some other time, but, you know, we heard about false religion, uh, leader, religious leaders uh, that is going to uh, come about. And so, we read in, in the Bible where Christ said that you're to watch and and so when you think about religion that man might want to enforce upon mankind, we have to question, well, what kind of religion will man enforce? Will it be Sunday, like uh, Constantine did back in, uh, when he made uh, Christianity the religion of the empire and put into effect upon the populace to uh, observe Sunday and even, even those who knew better? But Jesus said, when you think about if they insist on us keeping Sunday, remember that we keep the Sabbath. And we remember Jesus saying to, uh, to pray not that your flight be on the Sabbath day. So the Sabbath day is still in effect. And for 
for whatever reason, if we're not keeping Sunday, but keeping the Sabbath because we're not working, or because we meet in assembly on that day, it is going to bring perhaps persecution, perhaps even ruin to our lives. So, we know that there are false doctrines and religions about, that there is a man of sin who is going to rise up to mislead the world. There are things taking shape in this world of ours that are leading to a time of trouble such as never was. In Daniel chapter 12, verse 1, Prophet Daniel, he wrote this, And at that time shall Michael stand up, the great prince which stands for the children of your people, and there shall be a time of trouble. There shall be a time of trouble, such as never was since there was a nation, even to that same time. And at that time your people shall be delivered, every one that shall be found written in the book. So you have these troublesome times happening, these bad things happening. But on the other side is the balance in which the people shall be delivered. So today we look at how we are to number our days and, and follow the wisdom and, rec- and recommendations from the inspired word that God has given us. And though there are dire things ahead, they are to motivate us. Psalm 90. This is the prayer of Moses for wisdom. And, and uh, he saw the trans- transitoriness of our life and realizing how few our days really are. He said, I, Lord, have been, said, you, Lord, thou hast been our dwelling place in all generations. So, you know, he, uh, he has been our home. He's been our ancestors' home. He has been our parents' home, our grandparents' home. And all those that came before us, he's always been there as a home to them. And we know that a home in many ways is a place of refuge for us, a, a, a place where the porch light is kept burning, a, a place of comfort from, from the storms of, of life. So, verse 2, Before the mountains were brought forth, or ever you had formed the earth and the world, even from everlasting to everlasting, you were God. So, before the, the mountains, that we know about on earth, like you know, Mount Everest or you know, the Himalayas or the Appalachians or some of the hills and, and mountains that are close by. Those were made at a time long ago. But we know also that God was without beginning, without end, that the limitations of time do not affect Him. And that's because God is everlasting, and we are temporary. Verse 3, You turn man to destruction, and say, Return, children of men, as mortal beings. You know, we are made to return you know, to the dust from the earth from which we are made. Verse 4, For a thousand years in your sight are but as yesterday, when it is past, and as a watch in the night. So this means that uh, the thousand years that we see here are literally only one day in God's reckon, reckoning of time that's relevant to Him. 
you can turn over to Second Peter 3.8, that supports this view where it says, But beloved, be not ignorant of this one thing, that with the Lord one day is as a thousand years, and a thousand years as one day. It's a concept that's kind of hard in many ways for us to really uh, grasp. So the Lord God then is eternal. We are transitory. We are short-lived. We are temporary. So remember here, Moses is praying to God, and he says to God, verse 5, You carry them away as with a flood. They are as asleep in the morning. They are like grass which grows up. As it mentioned earlier, we know that time and circumstance happen to all, and we suffer along with the floods that come as they sweep us away. And we fall asleep. That is, you know, we go, we go to the grave for we just like grass. Verse 6, In the morning it flourishes and grows up. In the evening it is cut down and <clears throat> withered. So we are frail. We are short-lived. We are like the flowers and like the grass in comparison to the eternity of God and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Verse 7, We are consumed by your anger, and by your wrath are we troubled. Now, why should God be angry with us? It's due to our sin and to disobedience. The things that go on in this world in which we live. Verse 8, You have set our iniquities before you, our secret sins in the light of your uh, countenance, so nothing gets you know, past them in all these things that, and the deeds of uh, mankind. And so we see sin taking place in our nation and also around the world. People you know, are being hurt, they're being killed, and the innocent suffer right along. Verse 9, for, for all our days are passed away in your wrath. We spend our years as a tale that is told. Remember, Moses is, is praying to God. That's because, as, as we uh, said, all have sinned, all are sinners, so that all of mankind, from one generation to the next, we are spent beneath the wrath of God in some way. Whether it's maybe uh, something that comes along and takes a life. But every age reaps what they have sown, and our youth gives way to old age, and then one day our years come to an end with, with a song. So Moses, or the psalmist who wrote this song, he implores God for wisdom in numbering our days. You know, we could maybe look ahead and think, well, I'm certain, I'm like I'm 25 years old, I got, I can live to be 35, I can, be, I can live to be 45, but we need to have wisdom that we, like the song says, you know, day by day, take, uh, take it all in stride and just be aware. And he said in verse 10, that the days of our years are threescore years and ten, and if reason of strength they be fourscore years, yet it is their strength, labor, and sorrow for it is soon cut off, and we fly away. So, <clears throat> some journey through life, a life of 70 years and sometimes more, but some do not. But, you know, some live to be 80 or, or 90 or 100. 
and some beyond just very strong in body and in mind. Verse 11, who knows the power of your anger? Even according to your fear, so is uh, your wrath. Who understands the power of his anger? You know, who, who connects this brevity of life among us with your judgment of sin and your wrath? Who connects it with the reverent fear that is, that is due? These words uh, come from the Amplified uh, Bible. So, verse 12. So he asked God to teach us to number our days that we may apply our hearts unto wisdom. Return, O Lord, how long? And let it repent you concerning your servants. Come and bless us. How long will you delay? Turn away your anger from us. So as we look out upon the landscape that, that is you know, outside these walls, we are aware of things taking place that are not good. Verse 14, Satisfy us early with your mercy, that we may rejoice and be glad all our days. Make us glad according to the days wherein you have afflicted us and the years wherein we have seen evil. Seems like the, the, uh, the uh, cause of mankind is just to live through various days that bring evil tidings or hurts and things of that sort. Let your work appear unto your servants and your glory unto their children. And let the beauty of our Lord, our God, be upon us. And establish you the work of our hands upon us. Yea, the work of our hands. Establish you it. So, in essence, teach us to number our days that we may apply our hearts unto wisdom. So, this psalm, Psalm 90, it leads us uh, over to Second uh, Peter and chapter 3, verses 1 through 3. And it begins with that question of what manner of persons ought we to be? Are we Christian in truth and in deed? It's one something, you know, we can, I could ask myself. So, the second epistle uh, of uh, in Second uh, Peter, beloved, I now write unto you to both, in both which I stir you, I stir up your pure minds by way of remembrance. Stir up, you know, our pure minds, made pure by the righteousness of God through the power of His Holy Spirit, by way of remembering things that God has done and things that God has done in our life. So this first epistle. Uh, uh, this second epistle, that is, and the first one, they are both letters, they are both reminders to refresh the, the region, our memory. For the purpose in verse 2, that you may be mindful of the words which were spoken before by the holy prophets and of the commandment of us, the apostles of the Lord and Savior. So Peter mentions, he mentions the holy apostles and he mentions the, the uh, uh, apostles of Christ and places them on the same level, pretty much on the same level as the uh, Old and New Testament, with the words, you know, with those words that have authority. And verse 3, knowing this first, knowing this above all things, 
that there shall come in the last days scoffers, walking after their own lust. You know, scoffers are, are false teachers. They deny Christ and deny that creation, you know, was an event. So, as we know, you know, the modern na- notion today is that of evolution, as it being the science that can explain the origin of the earth and all life that uh, that developed from it, including a human life. And the view that everything that is seen can be explained by natural laws and processes, like, you know, they either apply to Mother Nature, but they deny God and Christ. In Romans chapter 1, verse... Uh, Just verse 19. I'll read all of that. Beginning verse 19. Because that which may be known of God is manifest in them, for God has showed it to them. But, you know, they close their eyes to the hand of uh, guiding hand of creation. For the invisible things of Him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even His eternal power and Godhead. So that they are without excuse. Because that when they knew God, they glorified Him not as God, neither were thankful, but became vain in their imagination, and their foolish heart was darkened. And we see how all, all this doing without God has led to very to a lot of, of foolish things and sin. Let's continue in Second Peter, though, uh, verse three, back up to, to verse four. One of the things they say, saying. Where is the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of creation. So even as far back as you know, the patriarchs, uh, people have talked about the coming uh, of the end of the world for a long time now. But where is it, they say? Where is this coming that has been talked so much about? And in a way, it's, it's like, a, like a stinging question saying, where is the promise of His coming? And why expect the Lord to come now? For this they willingly are ignorant of, that by the word of God the heavens were of old and the earth standing out of the water and in the water. So, there are many, they just don't want to know what the word of God says and that sin will bring eventual ruin, the cause and effect of sin. Verse 6, whereby the world that was then was being overflowed with water perished. So, you know, Peter obviously believes that there was a flood, that a flood took place, and, you know, geology uh, presents evidence of, of a time in Earth, Earth's history when the planet was flooded and, and, and drained away. However, we know that there are a few who really connect all that to sin being the cause uh, of the water we planted at one time. But it was a flood that destroyed the world. And we read that in the future it will be destroyed uh, by fire. But the heavens and earth, which are now, by the same word, are kept in store, reserved under fire against the day of judgment and perdition of ungodly men. You know, it kind of looks like, you know, the heat is being turned up a little bit with, you know, all the drought and, and the heat waves that we've been having and all that 
widespread effects that it's going to have on, on uh, the field, vegetables and, and cattle and so on. It could be globally devastating. Verse 8, but beloved, be not ignorant of this one thing. Again, it says, one day is with the Lord as a thousand years and a thousand years as one, one day. So in this we see that the Lord is very patient and he counts time differently and he holds open the door of, of repentance. Verse 9, the Lord is not slack concerning his promise as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to us. Not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Though tribulation will come, and like the, the mess, messengers, I think was last week, that we have to watch and pray and not fall for uh, the beast and the false prophet that is to come. And he is probably at work now planning to change the world. Verse 10, but the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in the which heaven, the heavens shall pass away with a great noise, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat, and the earth also, and the works that are therein shall be burned up. But at that time, there will be spirit beings. Those who have the Holy Spirit, this will have no effect on them. So this day of the Lord that we see here in verse 10 can refer also to the coming tribulation, the millennium also, the great white throne judgment and the destruction of the present heavens and the earth where there will be no more sea. And then when you see the, the city of God coming down from heaven. Second Peter 3.11 uh, Seeing then that all these things shall be dissolved, what manner of persons ought you to be in all holy conversation, conduct that is, and godliness? And what should be our attitude? What should be our manner? Matthew 5, chapter 3 through 12, 12 talks about being pure in heart, about putting into our minds the uh, righteousness and, and, and the uh, will of God. So, as we know, <clears throat> the Word of God is filled with things to give time us to think about, to ponder his word. And it is John, you know, the beloved apostle of Christ, who reminds us of many of the basic truths by which we are called to live. I'll only cite uh, just a few of those scriptures and just let you uh, study or think about uh, what, uh, what you read there. And these are all from... Uh, First uh, John to Third John. From First John one nine, it says, "If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness." This is what you know the world is in need of. <clears throat> then in First John chapter two through four, he that says, "I know him and keeps not his commandments," is a liar. And the truth is not in him. In First John three sixteen, hereby perceive we the love of God, because He laid down His life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. And this is His commandment. In First John three verse twenty three twenty four, this is His commandment that we should believe on the name of His Son 
Jesus Christ and love one another as He gave us commandments. And he that keeps His commandments dwells in Him, and He in Him. And hereby we know that He abides in us by the Spirit which He uh, gave us. When Christ came preaching, it involved repentance, and it involved His telling that the kingdom of God is near. That the kingdom of God and His government is near. It's not, you know, it's not the government of man, but God's kingdom. It's not Republican, it's not Democrat, it's not Democrat, or any other type of man's government. So Christ came preaching the kingdom of God and repentance. Christianity today is divided. It's divided between, you know, the various Protestants and Catholics, uh, Methodists, Episcopalians, Baptists, even in a lot of ways, Sabbath-keeping groups are also divided in many ways. So we know that government in the hands of man is not going to succeed. Only under Christ's intervention and the government given over to the saints is the hope of mankind. And that is what we are being prepared for, to be kings and priests of that coming kingdom. So when Christ came preaching, it involves repentance and the preaching that the kingdom of God is near. Now, we can keep voting, but no matter how we spread our beliefs, our politics, there will always be one side versus the other. And so we pray to God to hasten the kingdom, and we are to pray for that kingdom to come. You probably heard of the uh, Doomsday Clock. It came about in 1947, and it was a way for us to see just how where the world stands. In the 2022 20, Doomsday Clock, it is said to be 100 seconds before midnight because there's no change in society, no change in the climate, no, no change in, in the nuclear threat. Even if things are straightened out in this nation, we're still going to live under that threat, under that uh, doomsday clock. First John 5.1, Whosoever believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God, and every one that loves him that beget loveth him also that he is begotten of him. First John 5, verse 11 and 12, And this is the record that God gave us, to us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. So we have been given eternal life. And he that endures unto the end, the same shall be saved. Second John 1, verse 9 and 10. Whosoever transgress and abides not in the doctrine of Christ has not God. He that abides in the doctrine of Christ, he has both the Father and the Son. If there come any unto you and bring not this doctrine, receive him not into your house, neither bid him God speak. In third John, verse 11. Beloved, follow not that which is evil, but that which is good, 
he that do, does good is of God, but he that does evil has not seen God. So these, this is a man of curse that we ought to be. This is, the, you know, the attitude like in Matthew 5 that we should uh, think about doing. So let us spend time wisely. We may be pressed for time in many ways. Jesus was aware of the passage of time, and, and you know, that thought is uh, passed on to us today. In John chapter 9, verses 4 through 5, Jesus said, I must work the works of him that sent me while it is day. The night comes when no man can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. So you know, uh, Christ ascended to heaven. So Jesus later on said in uh, Matthew chapter 5, verse 16, he said, Let your light shine before men, that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. In Isaiah chapter 2, verse 1 through 3, And it shall come to pass in the last days that the mountain of the Lord's house shall be established in the top of the mountains and shall be exalted above the hills and all nations shall flow unto it. This is what we look forward to. His kingdom on the earth in the hands of Christ, not in the hands of men. And many people shall go and say, Come ye and let us go up to the mountains of the Lord, to the house of God of Jacob, and he will teach us his ways, and we will walk in his paths. For out of Zion shall go forth the law and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. Again, back to Ecclesiastes, verse 10. Whatsoever your hand finds to do, do it with your might. For there is no work, nor device, nor knowledge, nor wisdom in the grave where you go. In Ecclesiastes 12, 13. Let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God and keep His commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. 